If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 424 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan. Joined today by the Dara O'Donovan of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a massive, massive, massive weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. There are so many fights, world MMA, Irish MMA, the whole lot. So, Lots to get into. Before we get into all of that, the cannonballs. This summer is not about the size of those cannonballs. It's about making a splash with our friends at Manscaped. Prep for barbecue season by making sure your grill master is the hottest hogs, dogs this summer has ever seen. When you're at a cookout, let the meat speak for itself. With Manscaped's performance package 4.0, it's time to get ready and not sweaty. By going to manscaped.com and using the promo code SEVEREMMA for 20% off and free shipping. And if you aren't using Manscaped products, you really should be. I know my guy Patrick got one the other day and he's absolutely swearing by it. Just absolutely brilliant. And if you want to start off somewhere, you want to get everything. You can get the performance package 4.0. Just guaranteed for mouth-watering treats at the party. They've built your ultimate bundle for your summer grooming. Starts off with that lawnmower 4.0. It's a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce, uh, used to reduce grooming uh, accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also has a 7,000 RPM motor, multifunction on and off switch, you can, so you can engage travel lock, and has a 4,000K LED spotlight on it as well for a more precise shave, waterproof. You can use it in the pool, shower, or wherever you want to use it. Now that you can feel safe wearing a low-cut swimsuit uh, without any stranglers peeking out, um, use the liquid formulations. I swear by these, they're absolutely brilliant. Crop Preserver to start off your day, and the Crop Reviver as well, which is a spray to keep your freshness growing throughout the lovely summer day. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts. This travel bag, which I use absolutely all the time whenever I'm traveling. I know there's MMA events coming up, I use that, and the boxers as well. Plus, if you're wearing sandals and you want to get your toenails fixed, I actually used this yesterday and it's brilliant. I genuinely mean the sheer stoop I know. It's a luxury nail grooming kit, but it's brilliant. You have to get this. It includes stainless steel cutters, tweezers, <coughs> and grooming scissors. Those grooming scissors are actually really good as well. It's all really good. That package, honestly, I swear by that. I use it all the time. Um, and as a treat, you should uh, add in some crop mops to your order as well. They're really good. I have a load of them. A mice toilet made specifically for your beach balls. It's the best midday refresher to stop your popsicle from melting. So any or all of that, you can get free shipping 
and 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code SEVEREMMA. Manscaped, the perfect way to get your patty sizzling this summer. Um, This episode as well, lads, it's, it's also brought to you by our friends over at Caldera Lab. And we all know the first impressions matter. There's no, there's no two ways around that. Um, what's the first thing someone notices about you? It's your, your face, your skin. And you need to be ready for that. And it's time to put your best face forward. How do you do that? By adding a skincare routine to your routine. And you know what? It's not hard. You just don't have the right tools until right now clinically proven to reduce wrinkles fine lines and signs of aging caldera lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day use our exclusive code severe mma severe amidst the code severe mma everywhere over caldera and you will get 20 percent off their best products um i've been using it now for a while and it's really 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 good it's good during you know good during the summer too as well nice nice, nice little cooling and added cooling i would say to the old face before you get the the day going um and what i would suggest you start off with is the uh the regimen um it's dedicated for a minute we know skincare is a highly female driven um uh, i suppose world and what Caldera Lab have done with the regimen is made men's skincare easier. In that bundle, you have the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate obviously is to start your day, leaves everything you know washed and, and fresh. The base layer is your daily moisturizer that hydrates uh, your skin and absorbs it fast, leaving you with a, a, a matte uh, finish so that you can start your day confidently. And the good is your go-to at night before you go to bed. It's a multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. In every drop of serum, there are 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. Want to know what that means? Well, I have a clue, but... Must be good, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, even <laughs> they even have an eye serum called the Icon as well. It addresses, the, as we've mentioned before, the three most common skin concerns around the eye, the fine lines, the dark circles, and the puffiness. Caldera Lab is made with top-tier ingredients and is a great addition to your daily routine. Takes a minute, minute and a half, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Not my lot long. And uh, it's here to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And that's that. So get 20% off with our code SEVEREMA at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code SEVEREMA. Calderalab. C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. SEVEREMA. S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A. Jump into Skin First Impression Royalty with Caldera Lab. Right, Graham. Uh... Let's get straight into it, I suppose, and what a card, what a weekend of sport, um, it was just one of those, one of those epics, really, wasn't it, as well, I think, obviously, the, the Limerick Harlem was on, and, and all of that, and we're, I feel like, and I know you'll probably be the same, it's like, you're sitting there on a Saturday and Sunday, and like, oh, what's going on, there's no Premier League on, it's kind of a bit boring, it's been a few weeks, it's been enough weeks now, with no like big sport on or not enough big sport on when you get a day like I had anyway maybe it was a little bit different for you where I had the big evening we had the PFL coming on after the hurling uh, or kind of in the middle of the hurling and then we had the massive UFC 290 card it it, it was uh, it was a, f- a refreshing stressful 
magic, brilliant day of sport. And from sitting in front of the TV from six o'clock in the evening until uh, about what seven o'clock in the morning, it was a good. It was a good thirteen hours, Graham. Did you uh, did you enjoy your evening of sport? I assume you did after that brilliant guard, anyway. Yeah, I didn't watch any of the, the Limerick hurling, but uh, the rest of it, yeah, the PFL, I really enjoyed, um, and uh, the UFC obviously uh, was was a brilliant card as well. Especially the the top few fights were very interesting. A lot of jeopardy going on, a lot of back and forth, and just a an overall brilliant card. And you know, a bit of controversy as always. Kind of the the UFC two ninety card kind of had had everything, and the PFL card obviously went really well for for John Mitchell, Franz, and and um, Dylan Chuk went went through to the next round. Obviously, we'll talk about that a bit more later. So. It was a good day for the Irish. It was a good day for you with the Limerick, and it was a good day for the UFC with a, a brilliant pay-per-view card. Indeed it was. There's some people calling this you know, the greatest pay-per-view of all time. Some people are calling it you know, one of the best in years. And it, I'm very bad at remembering like full cards that have to like have it shown in front of me. I remember it was UFC 166 was a great card. I think someone was saying UFC 159 was a, a great card as well. Uh, but this... It, look, if it's not the best, it has to be right up there. There was, uh, it broke the record for sub one minute finishes with four. We had two epic title fights with a massive shock. With you know the the second best uh, fighter in his division losing for uh, you know the, uh, for the first time in years in non title fights, I suppose. We had a couple of other big upsets. We had a you know um, a massive prospect shown something different we had a legend retiring in the most brilliant way possible and then the undercard was absolutely brilliant as well so you you know sometimes we come on here and a lot of time we come on he's carrying you know there's no way 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 and after this one it was absolutely epic and it was uh enthralling and brilliant the whole way it's, it's not often people imitate themselves so well I don't yeah that was a good one. No, I'll, give, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I suppose, and let, let's start at the main event. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez. I um, I was very very intrigued coming into this one to see how it would work. And it, do you know what? Usually in high level fights like this, we see um something different to what we were expecting but early we, we really didn't you know there was pressure by Volkanovsky while he was switching stances a big takedown early lots of ground and pound you know Yair trying his best to get back up and all of that you know going for a few submissions but basically kind of getting bursted up on the ground although Yair was the one that kind of bursted him up what did you think of the early goings of that fight Graham it was it, it um, all went Volkanovsky early didn't it yeah, once he kind of got the takedown, it was all Volkanovski. I think Volkanovski might have had a, a previous cut that opened up. I don't think, I think yeah. that was maybe something like that going on. But the elbows that he was landing, um, ground and pound elbows were just sharp and mean. You know, we see guys kind of flurrying in ground and pound, but Volkanovski was, was taking his time, picking the moments and landing hard, like, you know, and, um, uh, when he had him up against the cage, he landed a series of them. I can't even remember if that was the, the same round or the second round, but, yeah, he just, he, you know, he was patient on the feet. He he kept changing stances, giving Yair different looks. And when Yair was throwing, Volkanovski was making a miss. Or even when he was landing, Volkanovski was doing a great job of 
being uh being on the the back foot, kind of moving away as the strike yeah. was landing, just to take most of the sting out of it. He's just a master. He's just like, you know, I expect him to go in there and, and take Gary down, and you know, take some of the pop out of his his uh, movement on the feet and stuff. But he's just such an all round, really well rounded, brilliant technician. And you know, yeah, Rodriguez is a brilliant fighter, has loads of tools. But if you're not if you're if you're if you don't mind your p's and q's, you're going to eat big shots against Volkanovski, and you know he just has such a great fight IQ. He can figure it out so quickly. Um, you know, uh, here, you know, he, 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 I don't think he underperformed or anything. I just think it's just such a hard matchup for him. And if Volkanovski's in that form, you're just you're just it's going to be extremely hard to beat him. Like. Yair look like he underperformed, didn't he? Like if you're if you're the I, I was kinda thinking that, but did he though, really? I, I like, don't you know, no, I, mean? I don't think he did. That's what I was just about to say. Like it, it, it's Falkanovsky making him do that. Like I was watching a part of it in the in the second round and it started the third as well. Now it did change a little bit in the third and we we'll get to that in a second, but like he wasn't circling, he wasn't doing his outside movement, he wasn't moving in and out in any way, shape, or form. It's like this is not Yair Rodriguez. And that happened like Almost immediately once the second round started, obviously the the first round we had ninety seconds of it, but then we had the takedown and you know the rest of the fight on the ground in in the first round. But like, it Volkanovski had beaten him so badly to the to to the punch really, but to the the tactical control of the fight in terms of stopping his circling by like wh- wh- and why do you switch stances you know you switch stances so that you can cut him off uh, to a large extent you switch stances for, for lots of different reasons and uh, someone smarter than me would be able to explain but to change the looks in terms of offensively and defensively so he doesn't know what's coming in terms of what you're hitting him with but then not being able to kind of pick you off but I think when he switched to this uh, orthodox stance and he was able to throw the left hook to stop him going uh, right and when he was and vice versa obviously to stop him going left when he was out of the uh, uh, out of the southpaw stance but then like the leg kicks as well he didn't throw too many of them but they were enough to kind of stop the circle and by the time the second round came, my, my first uh, bit of notes here is Yair not circling enough. And like Yair, if you go back and watch that second round, it was like a boxing match in terms of where they were located. Now, Yair was kicking from there and all of that. But and especially in the third round, like Volkanovski did get a takedown. Um, I thought Yair actually hit him really hard with a right hand in that second round. Volkanovski got a takedown, but uh, that right hand obviously mattered far, very because of that takedown. There was big ground upon uh, and everything like that. And you, uh, that ground upon Graham, the fact that he kind of almost kept getting up but didn't get taken down again, almost gotten head and arm choked, and you know. Uh, but he, it was the first round we got almost got hit and arm choked but up and down all the time throughout the second it was a Volkanovski elbow this time uh, that, that caught Yair and Yair just the signs at the end of that second round weren't great from Yair Graham were they it was, it was a t- it was, it was just very tough to look at him and the body language that was coming from him that wasn't great at that stage was it yeah you know I think he'd given like a lot of explosion a lot of he tried, kind of tried everything to get back up and as you said every time he was nearly getting back up Volkanovski would either like just uh, easily take him back down or land a big shot and, uh, and flurry and get get a better position or, or keep a strong position and keep your ear on his back so I think it was kind of. I got the impression that he was kind of thinking, "Yeah, this, you know, this is this isn't going my way. I'm not going to be able to win this. Like, I, like I'm not going to be able to get back up when I get taken down, and I'm getting hit with really big shots here." And you know, he just 
Volkanovski just was relentless. Or, you know, he, he stuck to the game plan really well, which he always does. You know, I, I've talked about it in the past and we're kind of maybe a broken record a bit here, but I, I still think Volkanovski is underrated about how much of a fight IQ and technician he is all around. You know, we don't see him mixing like t- takedowns um, and submission attempts as much as, you know, he could if if he wanted to, but he plays it safe, you know, in a way. He, he, we, you, you and me talk about it all the time, you know, going to site, passing guard and getting into mount and stuff. Is, it's great and all, it looks great and the crowd will cheer, but you have much more of a chance of losing the position. We see it time and time again and fucking off, he's just too smart for all that stuff and he just keeps you under there and keeps just beating on you and just beats the fight out of you. Yeah, I honestly, I, I, and maybe it's a, maybe a speaker's corner or a longer discussion, I think passing in MMA is should be like almost dead in the water like unless you're like a really good armbar specialist or something like that or unless you or you need uh, a finish and you're yeah, behind you, uh, and exactly you, you know. yeah you've had an arm choke set up or something like that and you need to pass to, to side control other than that like look at Habib he was the greatest ever and he loved to be in half guard all the time it's a way better more controlled position and you're right on Volkanovski as well like uh, speaking of speakers corner myself and Harry did one a couple of weeks ago and we talked about tactics and and the fact that Vulcan and, and you know not just tactics but planning and like planning uh, before the fight for the fight planning in the fight adjusting your tactics in the fight but also like you know if you're a fighter right if you're Conor McGregor your plan is to come on land the big left hook if you're Habib your plan is to come out and take someone down it's I think it's becoming more rare that someone has a variety of plans in MMA. You know, now, like, if you're a good, a well-rounded MMA fighter and you're fighting, you know, I don't want a boxer, okay, you're going to take him down. But you get what I mean? Like, if it's a pretty even fight at the very top level, Volkanovski's one of those guys. And maybe, maybe you know, well, this is an example of just what I said there. But he can do it all, as you were mentioning, Graham. Like, he has it all in his arsenal. And, you know, I said it during the week. Uh, he's like a snooker player setting up a one four seven like there's just five shots planned he knows what's coming next he knows what he's doing next he knows if he throws this shot this shot that shot and that shot that it's gonna uh, you know land a big shot at the end set up a takedown put his opponent in position he doesn't want to go for the next five shots to land something he's just like he's a master and like i said it before that He's so smart and so good, we don't understand how good he is. Like, I truly believe that. I think Demetrius Johnson had a little bit of the same sort of thing. He's just, he's absolutely brilliant. And Yair Rodriguez didn't understand what he was doing. Like, because as I said, I said again, and we, you know, we, we talked about the first and the second, but in the third round, like, Yair was kicking well from the outside and he was ahead. And I have in my notes here, Yair's getting confident. Like, he slightly, he hit Volkanovsky hard at one, and, you know, there was, um, he was getting into range. There was that head clash. Volkanovsky slipped and they clashed heads. But after that, like, okay, Yair's getting going. He's getting comedy. He's landing. He's like, bang, massive right hand, bang. Finished. Over. Like, it's almost as if Yair uh, changing up his game because of what Volkanovski had done for him had him in, like, this kind of frozen position where Volkanovski was like, okay, you're playing my game now. I'm just going to win this fight. And look, we have kind of an agreement here. I'm going to take it easy. And then Yair started fighting his own fighting and goes, oh, yeah, well, oh, this was what I play- planned for. Oh, you're going to do this again? Oh, okay, I'll just knock you out. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Did you feel yeah. a bit of that? How much, how much do you think the, the headboard actually played into, you know, Yair's kind of when it resumed his kind of um 
style that he his uh, his what would you call it his um, attack plan. I you know, he took a big he, shot with the head, like he it did. snapped his head. It was pretty big, and he you know he did take about a minute or something, maybe even less, but that was a pretty big shot, and maybe that kind of had him a bit you know out of the game plan. Um, I don't I, know. Maybe it, it played into Volkanovski's hands, but I think it was a matter mm, of time anyway for Volkanovski. But I could see why Yair's side might have a bit of a, a grievance there. I think if Yair hadn't already been doing that before the clash of heads, I would say yes, but. He was like I haven't I've written in my notes here Yair is in the pocket but kicking well and he's ahead and he's slightly hurt Volk one and that's before the head clash so it's not uh, it's not as if he wasn't kind of coming on in the third round and he started like he was fighting better it's it's not that like he came out and he, you know he was making big mistakes or anything like that he was fighting more of his game plan it was just that Volkanovski was prepared for that game plan you know from the very start uh, he, he worked with it early uh, easily early but then he had like he had a takedown plan for it but a stand up plan for it like did the clash of heads matter I, absolutely but he did as you said he did take the minute he did take the time um, things like that always change the fight a little bit but I don't like, uh, I don't think it made a massive difference. Like, to, to go to an example in the hurling yesterday, like the Limerick were losing and the goalie went down for a minute. Everyone was like, oh, he's he's slowing down the play. He's stopping the momentum. Oh, that change again. Like, Limerick won by nine points, you know? A goalie lying down for 35 seconds is wouldn't change that. Like, a, a, a head oh, clash. Well, like, momentum. If, if, if there's, for example, you're under the cosh for, like, you know, several minutes, something like that does break the momentum. And, like, let's say, let's say uh, Alex was on the verge of finishing Yair and they, and they kind of clashed heads and the ref stopped it, that would, you know, it, it would be a different circumstance. So I think, like, in certain circumstances, you know, we see in football, like, they'd be, a team would be under the cosh and they'll – They'll just like you know, a couple of fake injuries. Get the get the physios on. Waste a few minutes. Kind of get the get the game plan from the coaches I, yeah, back onto but the field. Like, like it definitely is circumstances where where sure. it can break the momentum. But if you're if you're good enough and you're going to win, you'll win. Like I firmly believe that. Like as uh, <laughs> as someone who follows the best team in in my my sport, I, I know that. Like it's because people do it to Limerick all the time, and like I'm sure you know Man City or whoever the best NFL team is. Like teams always try and do these these things. Now this is a different circumstance here. No one tried to do this. This wasn't like he literally slipped. If people go back and watch it, he slipped and fell into the head clash. And your ears head kind of came down into into yeah, the well, his, or not his head, but the side of his face. Kind of, so yeah. it was. It was definitely unfortunate. More than like, I wouldn't put any blame on Volkanovski. No, hundred percent. So, yeah, I, uh, did it have an effect? Yeah, a little bit, but I don't. I don't think it had a major effect. Like I didn't say see it affecting the way Yair fought in any way, and. You know, it's just it was it was coincidental that it happened just before the knockdown. Thing. What what did you think of that finish? Like, it just. It almost felt like Volkanovski was tying with him a little bit because, like, he, he, as I said, he kind of played with him when he was playing with him. And then when Yair was like, or right, do you know what it reminded me of? And this is a bad example, but when uh, Floyd fought Tinchin, and, Tynchen, you know, Floyd's, uh, you know, oh, this is an exhibition, I'll jab you around. And then Tinchin hit him once hard, and then Floyd just knocks him the fuck out. Uh, it felt like there was a little bit of that in this year. Now, obviously, I'm not saying this is an exhibition or as, as easy as that or anything. I have more respect for, uh, for both of them than that, but... The, the right hand to Graham, like switching stances again, 
big right hook and that was that like Falkanowski not only has the power uh, the uh, uh, the technique and the wrestling and the intelligence he has the power too doesn't he like he, what can you do against Falkanowski it's impossible isn't it yeah, you know, I think I think it was Falkanovsky. Uh, I don't think he was toying with him. I think he just had respect for Yair's tools and how he can land something out of nowhere big, you know, uh, that you don't see coming. And he's got to be careful. And once he kind of, you know, felt how felt how big the the right hook he landed was, and kind of Yair's reaction, he he smelled blood and went in for the for the kill. And you know, maybe the flurry at the end was a bit. You know, on Volkanovski, he didn't really pick his shots. He just flurried, but I think he knew that Yair was kind of, you know, done. He 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 knew that he was kind of wilting and and that the ref was getting close and things like that. So it's kind of a maybe when the ref's getting that close, you just keep flurrying instead of picking your shots. But usually, you know, you'd see Volkanovski be a bit more a bit more selective in his shots at the end. But either way, he got the job done, and I think that most of that was down to Yair's reaction to the shots and the fact that he kind of. I think he knew that the fight was over at that stage and Volkanovski knew if he just flurried that it was over and, you know, uh, yeah, he wasn't complaining afterwards, you know, he, he knew he was beat. Yeah, indeed. Um, it was, you know, it was an epic performance. I, I, I struggled, you know, we talked maybe a little bit at the start saying, did Yair turn up? Um, I, he was beaten in the first 90 seconds and I think he turned up in the third round and then he was knocked out. So it's very like he was just beaten by the better guy. I don't think he underperformed necessarily or anything like that. It's just Volkanovski performed to the best of the best, like literally to the best of the best. And it's funny because like we could talk about who's next, and you know maybe it's Ilya Taboria, but Volkanovski is getting um, surgery and all that. So maybe that's a discussion for for further down the line. Maybe the lightweight belt or not. One thing I just want to throw at you here, like I, I was thinking last night. And I tweeted it out. I think Volkanovski is the second best fighter I've ever seen. Like, after Demetrius, uh, who's still, like, untouched as the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Uh, Would Jones be up there? If the, Does it play no. in, like, the kind of outside of the cage stuff with John Jones? No, no, you? I'm just talking about in the, in the cage itself, right? Yeah, like, you wouldn't have John Jones in, in there no, with him? No, I wouldn't have him in the conversation. To be honest. Like, really? the, the level of technique and the level of ability, like, and it's a pound for pounding as well. It's very unfair. Yeah, okay, okay. It's it's very unfair. Like, the, the smaller weight classes absolutely do have an advantage. And Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, know, it's a, it's a lot easier to, to, like, you know, to do what they're doing yeah. at that weight than what John Jones is doing. If we had a heavyweight doing what they're doing, they'd be the greatest phenom we've ever seen like so it is very 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 it's very bad enough but uh, the, the secondary point to that is right I saw Luke Thomas did a thing this week and look everyone has done it at this stage and we've been asked about it before who's the best featherweight of all time because that's a funny one right because I've just said Volkanovski is the second best fighter I've ever seen but still if you ask me who's the best featherweight of all time I'm like oh well there's kind of four good featherweights there and I tweeted during the week it's, it's unclear but I think it's I think it's maybe becoming more clear, like what Volkanovski has done, destroying Max the last time, beating him the times before, beating Aldo, you know, beating Mendes, beating Yair, beating everyone. Kind of has to be him. Like I know the you know Max had a great run, Aldo had a great run, and obviously he, you know, by the time the other three lads came, he was a little bit older, I suppose. You're talking UFC only, not WEC. Yeah, yeah well, no, but you're WEC as well. We can talk at all. Like, and obviously Connor knocked out Aldo, and he beat uh, Max Holloway as well a little bit earlier in his career. He has to be up yeah. there, but like. 
And Eddie Alvarez, you know, he moved up the weight. If you're talking pound for pound, people moving up weight and capturing well, the belt. Well, uh, yeah, well, let's just featherweight for the moment. Like just featherweight. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I. <sighs> I think it's Volkanovski, you know. It's weird because, like, Aldo is my initial one, but, like, Aldo has lost to the other three, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Like, it's it's. it's you know, if, if, if Aldo had of, like, you know, retired before, if he just had retired on top before he got knocked out by Connor, you know, would he be considered the best ever? Maybe, but he probably would because he had a long reign. Like that, that question could be asked for Habib as well. But I, th- I think everyone feels like Habib retired like too early. Like Habib probably retired ten fights too early. Never mind like five or six title but fights. Habib will be remembered better than if he had of stayed on and maybe lost a couple of fights here or there as he got as he got older. Not not as a divisional great. I don't think. Like when people are talking about the greatest of all time, like Habib's never mentioned. You know, even though he was so dominant and was undefeated and all, but. He just doesn't have that long streak um, to to put himself in that conversation, whereas Aldo does. You know, he's undefeated for nine years and everything like that. And now a lot of people, even though, like, Aldo, when McGregor knocked out Aldo, he wasn't finished. Like, he went on and destroyed Frankie Edgar after that, and he, you know, he beat Jeremy Stevens, and he beat other fighter, and he went down to 135, and he had a good run, you know, got to the t- a title fight there, and was, was back at another title fight after that. So Aldo was by no means finished in. But, like... MMA had kind of moved on an awful lot. He had to go down to 135. Those big 145ers were an issue for him. Like, look at the size of McGregor now. Like, and he was fighting him. Look at the size of of, of uh, Holloway and others as well. I don't think that should take away from what he did did before that. And I don't think it does. Like, it, it, it's it's one of those discussions, right? That we we have to have a nuanced discussion about it. Or else we'll just say, oh, well, Conor knocked him out, but what are you fucking talking about? How can Aldo in 13 seconds, lad? You well, know? It's all about opinion. It's, what do you, what, like, it is, yeah. you know, if you have, uh, you know, a side, you can make a valid argument for uh, 100%. any of the, the four of them. Really. Yeah, so you can. It's, and it's, that's, difficult. it's all about opinion, so you can't really is. say, oh, you're wrong, and this is right. So, it's, But it's I, just, I, I think in that, Volkanovsky is getting closer to, like, being the one I think he is now in fairness because like his level of ability who he has beaten how many times he has beaten him the reign he's on it's hard like he has he has the finishes of a McGregor he has kind of the dominance of um of a Holloway when he was there and now he's kind of getting on to like well how long has he been undefeated in that division like Aldo it's a long time now against the top in the world so you know, another two or three, maybe another one or two, maybe even for Volkanovski. And I think he will kind of be the guy at 145. But isn't it great that we even can have that discussion? We've had so many great fighters down through the years. It's It's been yeah. epic. Like his only loss in, his only loss in 10 years is to Makachev, like uh, upper weight. So, yeah. Like it's pretty and phenomenal. A here. very close fight, like which he could have won, you know, very, very close. So. Yeah, what a fighter. A joy to watch him. Like, And it's funny because two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, whenever it was, I I, uh, I was like, I hope people understand what they're watching here with Elia Tapuria. What a phenom he is. And like, imagine the two of them could be fighting next. That, if you want to talk about mouthwatering, unbelievable fucking fights, there we go. Elia Tapuria versus Alexander Volkanovsky could be one of the greatest fights we've ever seen like because oh, if they make it right now 
next. Oh yes, give it to me. You think so? Give I think it to wait. Me. I think oh, I think no. Deporia another one. Like to be honest, who are they going to give him now? Max Holloway. Like don't give him Max Holloway. Yeah. Make that fight. I don't know. If, I don't know. Like he's unproven at the like you know at the fucking Oski level. Like you know wins over Joy Herbert, Bryce Mitchell, and Josh Emmett are, are like they're good solid wins. You know, but. Uh, from winning a decision over Josh Emmett to being in there with Volkanovski is a pretty big step up. It is, but like the only one. And if who's... you wait a little bit, he may be a b- better opponent in the future yeah, for like, Volkanovski. If you think about it, though, like who isn't a big step up to Volkanovski? Like Max, okay, maybe, but Max is too, as we've seen. Like who yeah, else? Yeah, but this There's is no an even bigger step up. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like Yair Rodriguez beat Emmett and he got the title shot off of it, so. We saw well. I suppose you could argue we saw how that went, <laughs> but like at the same time, I don't know. I, I I think he's ready. I think he's had a good few fights. Oh, I, I'm that's a mouthwash. Yeah, no, I'd, lo- I'd love to. I'd love to see it, but yeah. uh, just uh, for for Taporia, you know, obviously he wants to get in there and win the title. He probably believes in himself and all that, but he still is only 26. He's only 14 fights deep, and you know he hasn't stepped up to the very top level or even. The, the step below the very top level yet so I'd like to you know I'd like to see him in there with Volkanovski but for his chances to win I think it'd, it'd be better to wait a little bit to be honest maybe maybe but it, do you know what it's a good problem to have <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see it uh, let's talk about the co-main event um, Brandon Moreno defending his title against Alessandra Pantoja at the flyweight division how, how did you score it Graham how did you have it after the five rounds of down I thought Moreno won. Um, the first round, Pantoja won. I, that's pretty clear. I don't think anybody's really arguing that. Uh, the second round, Moreno won. I don't. I don't think that's really arguable either. Uh, the third and the fourth, I thought. I thought Moreno. Uh, I thought Moreno won both of them. To be honest, I know people didn't, but I thought he was his um, his strikes, his jab, and his hooks were were much sharper and crisper. He snapped the head back a couple of times. A couple of step in elbows uh, that were really nice. I think Pantoja was pretty tired. His punches were a bit slow and a bit sloppy compared to Moreno's work. Um, I know he had control time, but he didn't really do much with that uh, in terms of impact of, of strikes. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised, to be honest. Uh, I thought I thought Moreno won that either. either f- that fifth round like, could have went either way as well, to be honest. I, I probably just gave it to Pantoja, but the second, third and fourth I had for Moreno. I was surprised. Yeah, I wasn't that surprised to be honest. That it was. I definitely wasn't surprised. It was a split decision. Anyway, I agree with you on the first and second, uh, and I'll, I'll run through kind of what happened in them in a minute. But I thought three, four, and five really could have gone either way. Like three, especially that was just that was the manic, insane round that like you probably have to watch back about five times to even think about who you would score as far as so that was just insane. And in four and five, we'll get into them in a second. They were one of those rounds that, like, you know, one guy was probably doing better. Then he was taken down and did what your man did on the ground. You know, was it enough to take the round? He did land some shots, you know, in for submission, bits of submissions and stuff. It was it was very close, very close. There was, there was no close submission or anything. It was no, just no close submissions. On, no, no, but honest. close in terms of the scoring. Like, they're, they're yeah. really... Like, I, it's, it's one of those funny fights, right? Because... Um, like I scored at 49-46 Pantoja and if you were to ask me who the better fighter was last night I'd probably say Moreno because it was just well the first round though yeah um, 
was yeah. the most dominant round for Novus Pantoja, I thought. He was, yeah, but like, yeah, well, I'm not saying, I'm not going one championship rules here, like, but if I was, you, yeah, you might be right, but like, just like the general goings of the fight. There was a one stage I was thinking like, and it, maybe it was in, in the second round or a little bit later, but um, I was like, Moreno's, they're both kind of landing the same amount of strikes. And like every time the fucking strike stats came up, we, we'd forget about strike stats, but like they were even like almost every time they came up. And like you could tell by the fight, the strike stats were kind of even, but it felt like Moreno was landing harder in the middle part. He was part snapping of his head back with jabs and yeah. with, there was a couple of hooks and there was a couple of stepping elbows that were really nice. Like, uh, like really, like, I don't know. But I, I think that changed though. I think that changed in the fourth round. Like I don't think that was the case in the fourth and fifth round at all. Like I think they were just even And that's why I gave those rounds to Pantoja Because like the third round I think he was landing hard But Pantoja was landing hard as well And that was the, the madness The first and the second when he was able to land Moreno He was landing harder He was head, he, uh, you know, smashing his head back with those jabs And landing the better shots But we have to realise the, the rounds are scored you know, fights are scored via the rounds. And it's grand if he did that for 15 minutes, but he I don't think, in my opinion, he did that for 25 minutes. Now, not to say he didn't win those rounds, because he absolutely might have, but I didn't think he was landing with the same ferocity in terms of the impact on his shots in rounds four and five. And I think that's why it made it yeah. like a little bit closer. I, I, I think you're right. I think Moreno wasn't, but I also think that Pantoja wasn't. I think, you know, he got pretty tired at, at stages and his punches became kind of tired. And I think a, a lot of his quote control time he was actually just like resting holding on to yeah, um, Moreno and yeah. you know uh, I don't think that negated the the cleaners jabs and hooks that were snapping the head back on occasion uh, in those rounds and I think that that was the cleanest sharpest most impactful work like in in those rounds so that's why I scored scored them for for Moreno but you know they were close they were close it was very close and you know, Pantoja, like, you know, I've been a fan of his for a long time. It's great. He did a great job. He stayed in there. You could see that he was tired. You could see that his corner was telling him, no, you, you know, this is what you were for. You need to go in the fifth round. And, you know, it could have been, you know, the commentators, everybody, nobody really knew what score it was. So it could have been coming down to the, the fifth round. Nobody really knew. And, you know, he, he you know, put up a, a, you know, gave it all he had, put up, put everything out there and le left nothing behind and did enough to get the decision on the judges scorecard. But, yeah, no, I, I, I think it was either I, I think it was probably forty eight, forty seven, for Moreno. With that fifth round was you know could have went either way. Like I, maybe if I watched it back, there there could be like one shot either way that would swing it. So like, yeah, I think it could have been a forty nine, forty six as well. Um, yeah, uh, I think forty eight, forty seven Moreno on first watch was me. I'll watch. I'm gonna actually watch it back on on silent, but. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure um, I'm pretty confident that uh, I'll still pick Moreno. Well, just on watching it in silent there, just I'm going to run through the fight here, but just a, a quick word on the commentary. Uh, you know, on, on a great night. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go on. Hold on. I actually forgot to mention this in the Volkanovski fight. Yeah. He was actually, Daniel Cormier was ruining the fight. He yeah. was like, some guy, remember he yes. fought some guy who looked like him and uh, how things can change and all. And it went on for like a minute and a half. Yeah. And was like, what and, the fuck is going on? And like, like shut the fuck up. I, I don't know that the mics get cut off or what, because like John Anik was hard to speak then and then just stopped. I want, like, I wonder was someone roaring in their ear or not, like, um, Carmier was the worst version of the worst John Carmier. Like, oh, was he like, talking about Hen and Barrow? And he was yeah. like, oh, yeah. And then he was like, oh, no, somebody no, like that. Like, oh, my God. Did you, did you see, uh, literally, I, I timed it, 20 minutes later after the fight, they told him in his ear who it was, and then they were like, oh, yeah, that's him. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. And also, like, the judging chat after this, I like, I need someone to just, like, 
write down what Cormier said after because he just babbled yeah. on like no he said was, he said um oh uh, that's a terrible terrible scorecard from Ben Cartledge yeah uh, it is. all the stuff he's like oh he's a good judge but that is just terrible and it's like what, what are you talking about like but uh, like, like not just that he himself just was like. He, ta- he was talking about the fourth. He's like, if you scored a fourth for Moreno and then you scored a fifth for Pantoja, how does that make sense? They were the exact same round. It's like, they're not the exact same round, though, are they? They're two completely different fucking rounds. Like, what are you t- What are you even talking about? I think mean, he just like, looks on Twitter like during the thing and sees people. Yeah, I think so. The general consensus. <laughs> a lot of people do that. Grant's like, that's his opinion. Ah, uh, oh, he was... Just like I genuinely and I, I, people don't like me giving out about it, but some people do. But I have to after last night. Like, there's no one in the right mind could have liked Daniel Cormier's commentary last night. Like, you must be a fool if you did. Like, genuinely, like genuinely, you must like be an epic, idiot. Epic like. card going on. Main yeah. event is on for the title, and like at the end of a round, between rounds, and the start of the next round, he's just shouting on about. Oh, I can't remember who this guy is. And even if I could, yes. the point is the point makes no sense. And, and it was, it, it was, it was useless was anyway. Useless rubbish. And it was at the exact time as well that Yair had cut Volkanovski open from the bottom. And it's like, oh, is this, could this change the fight? This is a massive thing. And there's Cormier babbling on. Oh, oh, what's your man's name? Uh, he looked like him. He was on a run. He was on a great run. He was on an unbelievable run. It's just ridiculous. It was apt, uh, like even I think even Anik oh, yeah, no, uh, no, yeah. no, no, it's not that guy. Well, like, oh, no. Chad oh, Mendes. Is it Chad Mendes? No, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no, Chuck Liddell. No, no. Oh, who could it be? It was in the crowd. Just turn around. Like, you fucking idiot. Like, oh my god. <sighs> I'm glad we got that old crowd. I think we both needed that to be honest. <laughs> Anyway. It's just like it was. It, it took me out of the fight. Uh, yeah, it was so bad. It was awful. It was awful. Anyway, we get back to this fight. I'll just quickly run through the fight in the way I saw, it, and if you saw it differently, like the first round, it was funny because you know on the preview show with uh, Ian and and Harold this week, we we talked about like the changes both lads had made since the the first real fight. We forget about the tough one, but like Pantoja. Um, apart from his last fight had been like a more calm fighter as had Moreno but his last fight against Perez Pantoja just came out fast and mad and you know early and that's what he did here as well he came out fast but Moreno was landing those jabs lovely but then Pantoja dropped him hard with that left hand cut him open um, he was on top but I think for a little bit too long you know he maybe gave up a chance there to finish him but look in the end it didn't matter um, and then he started landing that left hook when he got up and Brandon landed the, the the jab again but it was I don't think it was enough I think Pantoja won that round the second round in Pantoja uh, was still landing but Moreno was hurting him more and this was the part I was talking about definitely Moreno landing the, the better uh, type of shots they kept talking about Pantoja slowing and like Pantoja was was slowing in terms of maybe the damage he was causing but he was he was still moving he was still doing everything he was still landing as many shots like he just looked like he was slowing maybe more than anything else but he he wasn't on the same level as Moreno in that part of the fight Moreno uh, was able to get his back um he got in uh, you know loads of left hooks when the fight was on the uh, on the feed uh, Moreno kind of clearly had the more power and he jabbed out towards the end of the round as well uh, Pantoja landed one hard shot late but I don't think it was enough I think it was 1-1 at that stage and uh, I think most people agreed with that and then we had this madness of the third round my my notes are all over the place here but like a Moreno landed an elbow uh, Pantoja got his back in the clinch and takes him down he, uh, like there was a head and arm choke on but not really uh, he took the back for a couple of minutes 
tonight. He did land some good stuff there. Is any win for submission? Didn't get it. Morello landed on. Uh, did he land some good stuff there when he had the back? I don't think he really not, did. Not he was more just kind of trying to open up something than landing big shots. I thought. Yeah, um, Moreno landed on top. But they got up immediately. He didn't land much there. Moreno didn't land a nice head kick. Landed nice body shots. But another takedown from Pantoja. Moreno went for the Omoplata. Got up. Great elbows late from Pantoja, I think. And, like, at the end of that round, there was some good ground upon as well. I, I, I usually write down what my score is. And I have, like, two question marks after this. I ended up giving it to Pantoja for 49-46. But I really don't know. I just, like... I, I honestly I could not decide I couldn't decide after that one it was such a close round and like if you're basing your card on that round and you're like definitive well I don't know what the fuck you were watching because <laughs> it was different to what I was watching anyway uh, round four boat landing uh, early um, Moreno elbow as he was taken down Moreno got up he got a takedown again and to me like Pantoja he was just like a little bit ahead here, you know, went for the arm triangle again, didn't get it. Moreno landed on top and he got a nice elbow late. But for me, I didn't think it was enough. Um, now, all three judges disagreed with me. But anyway, we another look close round again. Round five, similar enough sort of thing as well. Moreno, I thought, was a little bit better though in this round early. But then Pantoja got that takedown with two minutes left, got on the back. Landed a few shots, made. I, I think a big part of this was he made Moreno defend with his hands an awful lot. And that's whenever you speak to judges, they'll always say, like, talk about effective grappling and all this. He wasn't getting into the submission, but he had his back while he was standing up. He couldn't get out and he was forcing Moreno to defend constantly by holding, you know, getting two on one or getting his arms in under. And I don't know. I think like that matters. If we're talking about effective grappling and if we're talking about not going too far in terms of striking over grappling, I do think that matters a little bit. So when somebody's on the back like that against the cage, I always think that, it's it's actually really hard for the guy who's holding the the body triangle in, in a situation like that, and when the guy's kind of when Moreno's kind of lean and Pantoja against the cage, I don't I don't know, I don't know. Maybe that's just a you know difference of opinion about how effective that position is uh, for the person on the back, but I don't think it's that effective. I've seen it a lot of times, and you know, a, a good jujitsu guy isn't going to be in much trouble there, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that that is fair, but. Having said that, he's still forcing him to defend. Now, it doesn't score loads or anything like that. I'm not saying that was the difference in the round. Like, what I would say would be the difference in the round was, like, the little left hands he was landing from the back. He landed maybe, I don't know, four, five, six of them. And they weren't big. They weren't massive or anything. But, like, I thought Moreno was a little bit of head on the feet. And, like, if he's two minutes uh, of domination from Pantoja in terms of position with shots and with uh, him trying to submit someone now not being successful there I don't know is that enough for an, a relatively even round in the fifth uh, you can argue either way like did yeah, this, no, I, can, I can actually see that both ways and maybe yeah. because I had it like you know Moreno up 3-1 going into that round it pro- like you know it doesn't matter as much which way you score it so like I kind of was like oh that round could go either way uh, but like, yeah, I can see, I can see why you give that. But to Pantoja, there's there's moments there where you can, like, like you just described there, and it it just depends how much weight you're putting into the strikes Moreno's uh, landing, and he was more tired and more sloppy in that round, so than in the than in the previous three. So yeah, I can see, I can see that round going either way. I can see the the argument for Pantoja absolutely. Yeah, and, and look, again, it's, it's one of those that people will get mad about the judging, no matter what happens. So. Um, 
It, 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 this was a split decision, obviously. We, you know, Ben Carlich had it uh, 49-46. Moreno, like... Can you see 49, 46 win? I, I can. Yeah, yeah. It's just, if it's, <laughs> you know? like for me, if if I scored a fifth round, which I say is a is a, 50, a coin toss round, uh, if I scored that for Moreno, then I have the same card as Ben. So oh, I, don't, I don't see. Oh, so you deterred and fought for for Moreno. Moreno as well? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. So that's like we disagree on. Possible three rounds there, like nearly. You know, because I yeah. had a. But we're just disagreeing about tiny, like yeah, how much how much impact bits. there was in the jab yeah. and the hooks and the the elbows. Were they enough to negate the kind of rabbit punches or the the odd good punch from a dominant grappling position? You know, it's it's really it was a close fight and close rounds, especially in the in the third and fourth. I think yeah, uh, and I, the fifth, obviously, as we discussed. So I think this is I think this is a good example as well of like. I don't think there's any scoring system out there that can make rounds three, four, or five obvious. Like there's, there's really nothing there. Like there's, yeah, you know, they were just so close. Like what, what do you want? They're like maybe we could have given them all ten tens, and you know, round one and two were split, then it would have been a draw. Maybe you know, maybe maybe that's what people want. But I got, uh, and obviously I'm not advocating for that. I'm not saying that would be right in the current criteria. But if we're looking for a different way to pick a winner, and you want like a more clear way or a more definitive way, uh, that would be it, right? Because that, all in all, that, that like that fight to draw you know it's hard to look at that fight in totality and go well you know i i marina i think was a little bit better but like you know very even but the first first know? round had the most damage and that was pantoja yeah. so but like if that was a soccer match right and you know that'd be a draw you know it's it's what it's i don't know it's just one of those it's it, it, it yeah I, I, yeah you're right as you said the first round pantoja yeah like pantoja caused the most damage and you scored it 4-1 for moreno like you know that's that's all yeah. you have in mma you know it, <laughs> It wasn't quite enough for a 10-8, so that's kind of the flaw in the MMA 10-9 system where, you know, a razor-close round like the the fifth, the fourth, or the third is yeah, but like 10-9. And, uh, you know, I, that's why people kind of think, oh, this guy got screwed or whatever. But that's, you know, everybody knows the criteria. Well, everybody should uh, know yeah. the criteria. I don't know how many <laughs> fighters actually do, but it looks at things. But uh, everybody should know the, the, the rules and the criteria. But even, go in. even the first round, like Moreno was... Landing lovely jabs before that, and at the end oh, he was absolutely. landing lovely. Yeah. Uh, you absolutely. know, it, it, it wasn't a ten. Like in boxing, you know, if you get stunned or you yeah, get knocked get down, you, it yeah, kind of becomes you. a ten eight. So maybe yeah. people it's, are kind of conditioned more to that a bit as well. Explainable, I suppose. Yeah, but either way, it was a great fight, an absolute epic. Down for our fight of the year it was brilliant, and like even though Pantoja has now beaten him. Two to, to three times, two point five times. I'd be up for a rematch. Like I think it probably makes sense to make. I was that gonna rematch. say that, but like I think, yeah, I'd be up for it as well. But I think the fact that Moreno's been in so many kind of <laughs> rematches and trilogies and yeah. all that stuff, maybe that'll, maybe they won't go that way. You know, maybe they'll say, "Oh, Pantoja offers this kind of fresh title matchups, and we'll we'll kind of stick with that." And if Moreno beats the contenders, then fair enough, we'll put him back in there. Yeah, you know, like. Moreno does seem to be a star as well from like look at the reaction I don't think there's any other champion that gets the reaction consistently that Moreno does it's it's massive and like if they're going back to Mexico and stuff like that they could uh, they could have him there but we look we'll see on that um I, I personally just I think as well because Pantoja you know he's uh, you you're a big fan of him I'm a big fan of him we've known him for years he's not the biggest name I maybe for the non uh, for the casuals or whatever maybe if you beat Moreno twice he would be even bigger you know 
know, and uh, you know, maybe if Marina wins, they can have a trilogy or whatever. I, I, you know, another quadrology for Brandon Moreno up and coming. But um, yeah, look, uh, uh, whatever option they, they take, I don't think there's a bad one. Yeah. If um, if Cormier wanted to call out some scorecard or some judge, Adelaide Bird, given the oh the the Dan Hooker the third Turner round, given the fight to Turner, yeah, just unbelievable. That what was the hell is going on. Like, <laughs> if you want to talk about egregious judging, oh, very like, bad. <laughs> we'll talk about some in PFL as well, in my opinion, later. But like this round, this third round, oh my god, what the hell is going on? Yeah, we, let's so hold on that. So let's let's quickly talk about that, and we'll we get back to the Robert Whitaker one. Um, round one, Turner kind of picking him off, but Hooker, I thought Hooker was landing. The commentators were just ignoring Hooker's landing as well. Like, and as someone who was, you know, said pick Turner and. Uh, I think he was in one of my bets even as well. Like I was like, Jesus lads here, you're you're kind of ignoring this. Round two was the same, but it changed very quickly and Hooker nearly finished him, went absolutely berserk, and in round three, Hooker was hurting him over and over. Turner got a uh, takedown, but Hooker got up, nearly finished him, spent the last two minutes on top. Um and yeah, somehow Adelaide Bird gave round three to uh to Turner. Like when we're talking about bad cards, right, or bad rounds, like the the right guy won this. Hooker won the fight, and it was a, look, it was a close fight because that second round was close. To be honest, now if you had given Turner round one or round two, no complaints at all, you know. But to give him round three was. Can you remember a more ridiculously scored round? There was a Calvin Cater fight. Uh, I think Cater Emmett, round four. I think there was one really bad round in there. It was round four, I think. But this is way worse. Like, this is... I think this is the worst scored round in in the last four or five years, Graham. It must be up there, mustn't it? Uh, my memory is pretty bad when it comes to, like, you know, you remember when the when the fight goes the wrong way, the overall fight goes the wrong way, but when, when there's one judge that kind of just has a bizarre card, it's, it's easy for me anyway to for, to forget, but, yeah, it's it's, you know. It's pretty fucking bad, to be honest. Yeah, very <laughs> it's really bad. bad. But what, uh, really all bad. in all, though, what a fucking performance by Hooker. What a comeback. Like, Turner yeah. missed weight, and he looked... And appara- like, apparently, Hooker has a broken arm or some kind of... Yeah, he did. He injury. Broke his, <laughs> Jesus. Broke his wrist, unbelievable. I think. Yeah, in the second round, too. So, unbelievable. Yeah, to smash him in the third round was... was Imagine he'd, he'd come through that and put on the performance he did in the second and third, especially, and had lost the fight due to... <laughs> if yeah. anybody had agreed with Adelaide Bird, like, that would have been a... But I, I, I don't know what it'd been because the first and second like could have gone to <laughs> to Turner like but if it had been the second, that way, oh, I don't know but the second was close but I think I, 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 think, I do Hooker think Hooker landed yeah. the, the more impactful strikes I think pretty clearly to be honest yeah what, like, what a performance on Hooker but like as you said Turner missed weight kind of you know had the fight in his hands gave it away it wasn't great by Turner not a great sign for Turner to have you know in recent fights there haven't been you know, many great signs, but yeah, I think we'd maybe have to start reevaluating him um as um as a prospect. But like he can still obviously find his way back there. But um, you know, great stuff from Hooker and an absolutely unbelievable win there for him. Let's talk about the Robert Whitaker fight um against Dricus Duplessis. Um <sighs> Uh, <laughs> this was a mad one. This is a mad one. Uh Whitaker was ahead um in round one. 
uh, early and then uh, what about 40 seconds in there was a massive um, head and arm throw which we don't see in men's MMA that often and a huge elbow cut Robert Whitaker from there um, and I think that kind of did change the fight uh, a little bit um, and you know Duplessis was landing shots it, do you know what <sighs> My, Did you actually think Duplessis looked nervous early? I thought early bit, on he was yeah. reacting way too much. He was overreacting to everything. He does fight a little bit like that, but I agree. I know, but more than usual. Yeah. I think when he got when he got on top and land, or when he like you know got a bit of joy with the elbow and stuff, he kind of grew into the fight, became more confident. And Whitaker, obviously, you know, I don't know if it was a bad day at the office. I kind of I nearly picked Duplessis, but ended up not picking him. But I had a sneaky feeling, as I said on the podcast, that. You know, Duplessis was going to win this. I think Robert Whitaker is just the game has passed him by a little bit, and he hasn't been improving. And you know, this was a bad loss, a very bad performance. Maybe he can bounce back. You know, maybe maybe it was just a bad day at the office. But uh, I fear that he he's he's you know his best days are behind him. Yeah, uh, look, I said in the preview show this week as well that. Uh, Robert Whitaker has been in there a long time for against a lot of fights with a lot of injuries as well. You can't keep going forever. Now, big injuries like knee injuries yeah, and stuff as well. Not just balanced. you know, not just small kind of, well, not small, but like not just ones that can heal perfectly. Ones that might kind of hinder you for a long time. But I, I, I do think that played a part. But I think a bigger issue here was, it, do you know what's funny? Like. We, we see this in all sports, but I think Robert Whitaker actually fights better against better fighters. You know, I, I actually think the fact that um, Duplessis was like a little bit janky in there um, didn't help Robert Whitaker. It was almost like he was fighting himself a little bit. Because like Whitaker, what Whitaker is brilliant at is kind of using his cardio, using his bravery, using his tactics to beat lads who maybe he shouldn't beat, you know? Um, and when it is a lad he should beat and who he should have the, the tactical and technical one-up on, it's a bit of a struggle. Now, in the, obviously, he's done that in the past, but here specifically. And I think um, Duplessis was very smart as well. He said afterwards he came out in Southpaw, and you could, obviously you could see that, and he knocked him out um, or knocked him down, even rocked him with the, with the Southpaw jab. And I think part of that was to break the rhythm of Whitaker because Whitaker's a real rhythm fighter and that's why he was able to beat uh, Yoel Romero and others like that because of that and that was really smart honestly from Duplessis you know as I said landed that southpaw jab hurt him and finished him would he have been finished by a shot like that before Robert Whitaker? Mm, I don't think so you know it's it's and once that starts happening in your career it's it's a fast track to nowhere really so it wasn't great time now as you said Graham maybe it's a bad night at the office maybe he'll come back but uh, it's hard like I don't want to say anything bad about Robert Whitaker. I wouldn't say I don't like saying bad about any fighter but there was not good signs there all credit to Duplessis like he, he went in there and he was smart landed the shots that needed to be landed was brave to land them and deserved his win but it's, I think it'd be you know wrong to say that Whitaker looked great but um, we had these real Adesanya stare down in afterwards with Duplessis I was calling for it maybe after it happened maybe it wasn't so much it was so weird right because like I thought 
I thought Adesanya was going to start crying at one stage with emotion, um, and then like he was roaring, you know, words that we can't repeat. When he was when, when he was standing <laughs> yeah. there in in the crowd afterwards, was it when they zoomed in on him? He thought he was going to cry. No, when? when they were like when they were staring down, he like got real oh, emotional no. and all. And then Duplessis was kind of the same. He was like, like, and then he was like, "Come on, let's stare down." And then Duplessis walked away. I'm like, uh, I'm not sure is that Duplessis taking control or is him kind of like backing down to him, whatever. You know, I don't know. It's I think Stupid yeah. C was like, oh, get out of my way. He said something like, oh, he's acting the clown or something afterwards. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, you're ruining my 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 moment you know it's the biggest win of Duplessis career and he probably <laughs> didn't envision it like <laughs> with this guy screaming all these profanities and uh, other <laughs> whatever you'd call the things he was screaming at him so maybe that was that but maybe you know I don't know but any, either way I think Adesanya you know versus Duplessis uh, there may be you know in the build up there may be things said that um there already has been things said. Did you, actually, did you hear Dana White? Uh, oh. John Morgan asked him, um, what about the racial undertones and that? And he's like, what racial undertones? <laughs> and we're like, no sense of irony. This one guy was roaring the N-word multiple times in a white South African's face. <laughs> what racial undertones? Talking about DNA tests. And what was he calling? He was calling it wrong. For, what, what, what's the name of the... Uh, 23 uh, and me or something. He called it 26 in me. I think we called it 30, 32 in me. Called, but I knew it was wrong when he was saying it. Yeah. It was, you know, no selling it. Like, uh, yeah, it was getting terrible. Up, getting the, you know, the pro wrestling is part, uh, of the, <laughs> part of the brand now, so he's no selling the, the it was, quote, it, racial undertone. Look, it was bad, to be fair. No. Like, uh, to be right. It, 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 they're going to fight now, yeah? It looks like yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. going to be a lot of this. Like, really, there is, yeah. strap, yourself, strap yourself in no, and just to be fair, try not to take it all too seriously. To be fair, right, when Duplessis started saying this um, a couple of fights ago, I remember I came on here and goes, look, from an Irish point of view, we can understand this, right? Because we know there's lots of Irish Americans, but he knows exactly what he's saying. He actually didn't mention race. He, yeah, he that's did. what I was going to say. He yeah. has stopped doing that. Like, he did it a few fights ago, and he shouldn't have done it. And we said I don't on think the podcast he did it a few fights ago. I think he actually was, like, misquoted, and people were, like, asking him questions as if he'd said that, but he hadn't. Yeah, he just talking of. about actual living there and being there. And, like, you know, like, Connor would talk about Joe Duffy being, like, you know, Canadian Joe, and it's not that big of a serious yeah, but thing. It's, like, and it you turned know into this really serious thing. Like, you know, I don't yeah. think he meant it like that, in fairness. I think he's not going to back down from it. He's going to, you know, fight his corner, but I, do, I don't actually think that he meant to, like, start this stuff. He, I, he didn't, but also, you know, if you say about I'm a real African to a black man, what it's going to mean like like let's be honest there like uh, uh we, 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 you know if if mcgregor says it like if mcgregor was fighting fucking brennan ward right and he goes i'm real irish you're just a fake look we'd know we are yeah, i think they, i yeah. actually yeah i think the history of like south africa and africa yeah i think I it think is actually, uh, retract my uh <laughs> yeah, I, 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 retract my I take that back uh, like that from the record remember that jim core and your man on, on the late late show that time withdraw withdraw yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah, <laughs> yeah that was hilarious but uh yeah another lad so, well just i won't get into that um but 
Yeah. Like, I I, I wonder, uh, this is the big question. Like, I, I feel like Duplessis has drawn back in that. Now, I haven't been listening to him, to be honest, but it feels like he has. I just wonder if he will continue to draw back on that, you know? Because, like, it, it, we, we know... I think, I, think, I, I, I think the, you know... The, the cat's out of the bag. The, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a fairness. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he's gonna. You can't roll put the toothpaste back like into the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's gonna be a lot of stuff said yeah. now. I think this is gonna get nasty. Yeah, like from an Irish point of view, I love when lads do that. Like, you know, I love when we call out Americans as fake and fake Irish and stuff like that. But they're like, there are no racial uh, undertones is the wrong word. Do you know what the word is? Overtones. <laughs> There are no racial overdones in, in, in this one, though. They're kind of are, so. But look, that's MMA. Look, we had Sean Strickland last week. We have that this week, and these things happen in MMA. A UFC superstar, Sean Strickland, on the, the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, I didn't see it. No, did you? How oh, bad was it? I, 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 saw, I didn't see the whole thing, but I saw like, some people have clipped some stuff up. Uh, it, it, I have to go and watch it just to get the more oh, context. No, but it looked like a bit of a train wreck, to be honest. I go, oh, Jesus, I don't have enough brain power to lose to fucking watch that. Jesus Christ, no way. Uh, fairness, it sounds like some fucked up stuff happened in his, his childhood that was kind of a, yeah. you know, a lot of oh really God. fucked up stuff, if, if you can Actually, believe it. Actually, do you know what they had, like, this UFC X? They had, like, a live podcast, right? And I just turned it on literally for five seconds and there was that cut man, I'm not sure what his name was, but like Chris Curtis was on and he was talking, Chris Curtis brought up Sean Strickland and the cut man just goes, that guy was definitely touched when he was a child. I'm like, do you, do you know your life here? Like, you're, what the fuck is going on here? This, yeah, I don't know, this international fight week and putting people in front of a microphone and stuff is probably not the best, best idea, to be honest, for the UFC, but yeah, anyway. Um, We'll be five hours getting through this, but so we'll have to get through a little bit. We we need to talk about Bo and Robbie Lawler for a second, but just to run through the undercard quickly here, uh, unanimous decision for Esteban Rivas, which is a good fight against Camuela Cork. Uh, Bo looked uh, looked pretty good. Jesus Aguilar got one of those uh, quick knockouts, seventeen seconds with an overhand right, beautiful knockout there. As did Cameron Simon uh, in the first round against Terence Mitchell or by Ken and Lockran calling him out. Let's make it happen, lads. Let's make it happen. Vitor Petrino, an absolute Adonis of a man, goes in there and knocks out Marcin pra- Prachniau, whose names are basically the exact same. Uh, it was an arm triangle, wasn't it? Sorry, arm triangle. Yeah, submitted him, finished him. Um, submission as well for Alonso Minifield with the, the guillotine against uh, Jimmy Crute. Uh, and Denise Gomez knocked out in 20 seconds Yasmin Jagorai. Now, Funny for, well, for Irish MMA, Denise Gomez fought Bruna Brazil in her last fight um, and hadn't even enough fight with her. And Bruna Brazil is fighting Shauna Bannon coming up here. So, you know, if we do a bit of MMA match there, you would think, well, you know, did Gomez knock someone out in 20 minutes and 20 seconds and win 15 minutes? Someone last time there, probably not a bad fighter. So, interesting. Well, uh, no, uh, she finished Bruna Brazil with a right hook. Uh, oh, she did actually. In the second round, was it? Yeah, yeah, second round. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It was another fight I was thinking of. But still, you know. Yeah, maybe my point is actually bad there now, so never mind. Um, but yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to withdraw, that. We're, we're withdrawing. I withdraw again. I, I, I also withdraw that point. That's two withdrawals. <laughs> write, write them down, but strike them. keep count of these withdrawals <laughs> <laughs> so we can't get clipped up. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need to have our withdrawals yeah. ready. Uh, and in, the, in the description, we need to have a list of withdrawals. Uh, Tatsuya Tiara. <sighs> He almost got finished here at one stage, but he came back and he beat. Uh, well, not come back. He he did win the fight against Edgar Chavez and uh, Harry uh, Harry Powell's a boy keeps going. And then we'd bow 
and Robbie Lawler. Uh, first of all, in bow, uh, Van Woodburn obviously took this in short notice after Bo's opponent fell out. And, you know, he went out there and he threw his fucking shot at Bo and uh, he got clipped himself and finished. But Bo looked, Bo looked very good at, like, picking him off, landing the one shot and getting his head back out, which was a great sign. Like anyone, fluid on the feet, did, yeah. Like anyone can land one shot and knock a guy out or one shot and hurt him and then, you know, land him. But it wasn't that. Like, I, I, as you said, fluid was a very good word. Defensively fluid, you know, just picking that one shot. Sometimes as well, lads in that situation are more inclined to throw, you know, one, two, threes. I'm watching uh, next week, there's one championship card coming up and Gary Tonin's on and obviously the jiu-jitsu guy. And he's more of that. Like he's throwing one, two, three, four, five shots in combos and doing the right thing and all, you know, uh, I suppose uh, technically, but tactically, Bo Nickel landing that big one shot was vicious. He's power. We all know he's wrestling. Jesus, I, 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 do you know what? It's time to get excited about Bo Nickel as much as I'm like, Ash, Jesus, if the American wrestlers were brought down a peg or two, wouldn't that be all right too? But no, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, yeah, team, I think I'm he's, starting he's to like a lot more than just, just the wrestler. Obviously he has that, that to fall back on or to hit that base, but he looks to be a, so far, you know, obviously he's going to have to make step ups, but so far he looks like a, a well-rounded martial artist and, you know, five fights in, change of opponent, you know, could have could have got to somebody but no he he took it in the stride you know uh as you said woodburn came out there and tried to make something happen he wasn't he wasn't afraid like he he went out there to try and win and uh you know Bo, Bo Nichols just on another level and obviously he'll have to step up levels and, and hopefully you know he gets the right matchups and you know he, he's definitely a huge prospect but uh yeah uh, all that said you know, obviously, Woodburn coming in on short notice isn't exactly a, a stellar opponent, but for, for what he had in front of him, you know, flawless, really, from, from Bo Nickel again. Yeah, I, I think they'll probably try to put the Treshan Gore fight back on. That seems to kind of be the MO of him mm-hmm. uh, lately. And, you know, it wouldn't, be a, it wouldn't be a bad fight, I don't think. But um, I don't think there's far you can go with Bo without moving him forward, to be honest. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if, you move, can, if you move him too quick and then he wins against somebody yes that's a problem uh, yeah. then where does he go then you know yeah I, I like but I don't think you get the 10 and all without that move you know, you know? yeah yeah mm. it's true yeah so he's too good like yeah so interesting times ahead uh, and then Robert Glenn Lawler with the uh, 39 second knockout of Nico Price in uh, allegedly his final ever fight he, he was almost crying coming into the cage, which was very unlike Robbie Lawler altogether. Uh, as I said, when down knocked him out. Nico Price got... Uh, I don't know what Nico Price knocked out in training or something because like he went down very, very badly here uh, to, to the last Robbie Lawler shot anyway. But anyway, Robbie Lawler sparked well, him just kind of grabbed onto him and just ate a bunch of shots. Like it was he just... Did, what, I, suppose, I don't yeah. know what the, what, the, what the plan was there. He was yeah. trying to get a space for an elbow. But once you're getting hit repeatedly, just, just get out of there. Like it was... Especially against, you know, Bob Lawler. We all know Robbie yeah. Lawler has a big power in his hands, you know, mm-hmm. especially early. And it's just, yeah, terrible for Nico Price, really. But great for Robbie Lawler uh, on his, uh, quote, <laughs> retirement uh, yeah. fight. Fan of you know, the, the Severe. Uh, seen him in there against uh, Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, fan of the severe and May podcast, Conor McGregor was basically saying, "Looking forward to his next one." Now, offer <laughs> on Twitter as well. You know, this is one of those ones. He's like, Stay, yeah. "What was it? Say the line, Bart. Say the line." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. He would look too good to retire. Like, there's no way Robbie Lawler's going to retire, is there? 
That montage was amazing. It was, it was, it, do you know what? They kind of put him in a bit of a spotlight with all the crying and the. They should have waited until after the speech. But like, it's almost so perfect of a retirement, right? He got the knockout. He's had the championship. He's set for life. The brilliant montage, you know, being a good guy in Nico Price. Sailing off into the sunset, it's almost so perfect yeah. that he, he has to fight he, again. Do, does he have, like, you know, I'm not sure, does he have outside interests? You know, does he have a gym or does he have other things to keep him occupied? Like, you know, he's I a guy who's, since a teenager has been fighting, you know. <laughs> this is uh, this is all this guy knows, uh, potentially, you know. I'm not sure what's going on in, in his life, if he can kind of, you know, keep himself sane uh, without, without training and without fighting, so... You know, it's a big problem for all these guys. You know, you go in there uh, in your, quote, retirement fight and you lose. You think, ah, oh, I didn't put on the performance. I don't want to go out like that. But when you go in there and you win like that, you think, mm-hmm. oh, I can still do it. I so know. Just, I'm just as good. You know, you can see how it gets to their head. Maybe like, I have know. a championship running me. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd just be Nico Price. He's probably top 20. What if I What if I fight someone top yeah. 15, you know? Maybe the fact that he said, like, oh, the whole camp went terrible. Everything went wrong up until um, the fight. <laughs> yeah, right, but what, but what if the next camp will, goes well? You, you know? know? What? What, if, again? what if the next camp goes well? Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'd expect to see him back in some form. Maybe it'll be a UFC retirement, and he'll turn up in in bare knuckle or in um, in uh, celebrity YouTube. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Is that his side? What, what about uh, what about Robbie Lawler? Versus... Money is you know, Robbie Lawler versus Conor McGregor. That'd be a good comeback fight. If he's going to come back to the UFC, yeah, yeah, yeah it sure. would be. Like, I, I actually wanted to see that fight. I actually talked with Sean Shelby about that fight years ago when when uh, Robbie Lawler was the the welterweight champion, and uh, what say? Sean Shelby thought that Connor would knock him out. Ooh, that that could make headlines now, Graham. There, that, yeah. could, make, that could make it. And then Connor ended up losing to Diaz a couple of days after I was talking to Sean Shelby oh, about well, that, yeah. so it never ended what up. What Sean Shelby know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but obviously uh, he still has made fights and all that. But yeah, Robbie Lawler, obviously, um, as Daniel Cormier said, a middling uh, Bellator fight, middleweight. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, a strike for That was, yeah, that was strike for Sorry, sorry, sorry. Do you, like, did he misspeak there? Or do you reckon he didn't know he was in the UFC since he was like 19? Because, like, uh, I, I don't know. With Daniel Cormier, you just, you, you don't know. Like, he, no. It did sound know. like he thought he was like one of the people who came over from Strike Force. Like Carmia, like famously, you think knows sometimes Carmia says man. things he doesn't mean and then like won't kind of tries to justify it because he's already said it. He's kind of said something. Yeah, oh, definitely. He, but yeah, also, yeah, I think that happens a lot. He also like started watching MMA probably about two years after he started fighting in it. Like he, like Carmia doesn't have a clue. Like remember that time he didn't know about the Shogun shirt t shirt, like the famous show. Like he knows. He knows very little about MMA. Like, he just... Mm, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, anyway, but uh, what a career. Right? We're, we're probably going to do a career retrospective on Robbie Lawler at some stage. Uh, an epic career and a legend. Yeah, but in fairness to, like, Cormier, in a way, like, you know, when he was in Strikeforce, he seemed to have lost all motivation. Yeah, maybe he meant that. that. It he didn't sound like that. it, but, yeah, maybe he meant that. You know, and uh, Robbie Lawler, in fairness to him, you know, he, he made a massive career comeback and, you know, got the 
amazing, like memorable, historic fight against Rory McDonald and, you know, captured the title and just like a phenomenal career. A guy who went out there and tried to finish people, a guy who's tough as nails, you know, remember that cut where his lip is like half Raw, half his face yeah. is cut up to his nose, like, you know, just, just as hard as nails and, you know, some absolutely brilliant fights. Like even even in his loss to, to Nick Diaz back, back in the day, that was... Uh, that was brilliant, you know, uh, that, that fight. And um, he's been involved in, in this sport the whole time that I've been watching the sport. He's been he's been fighting. And, and if it is a real retirement, then like a phenomenal career and some some moments that will never be forgotten. And um, hopefully, you know, it would be amazing if he went out with this phenomenal KO, quick KO and rode off into the sunset. But uh, I've been around long enough in MMA to to think that the chances of that are probably yeah slim to none looking forward to his next one right let's move on to uh, the PFL uh, we're going to run through this pretty quick part from the Irish lads uh, just some of the results uh, Francesco Nuzzi who's a real top prospect won in the main event with a head kick uh, uh, Kurshan Kakarov got a win there as well Greg Eckhout in the 125 pound women's weight class Ali Taleb this guy is a massive prospect and he's definitely named you need to keep an eye on 9 and oh, he is brilliant um, Lewis McGrillan Evans got a good win uh, as well he got the knockout in the second second round there uh, in his fight um and yeah that was kind of the the, the main uh so left looks like a like a demon indeed. <laughs> what a night for the irish though um we also we've andreas binder actually coming up tonight so we'll, we'll talk about him next week or the lads might talk about him the old triangle or maybe the q a even uh this week so best of luck to him tonight but three and all for the irish uh unanimous decision win for dylan took unanimous decision win for um uh, John Mitchell and a majority decision win for for Franz Malambo. I, uh, first of all, on Dylan Chukram, look look phenomenal. Like the first round, maybe doing a bit too much circling, not landing enough. And uh, I think that was I think that was part of the plan to frustrate, it was, I think, uh, yeah. and it worked. It definitely you know? worked. Yeah. <laughs> And he landed. He landed a couple of sh- couple of big shots, and you know I think the, the, uh, Dylan did and uh, got out of the way and frustrated. And I think the only real thing that Conor Hughes landed was um, a hook kick that Dylan was moving away for, and it barely it barely landed. Obviously, it looks fancy and all that, but the impact of what I don't think was was there at all. I thought it was good. Now, to be fair, I thought it was. I think he was moving away, and the hook kick was not thrown that fast, and it, it kind of glanced. I, I wasn't. I didn't think that was enough to like the straight left earlier in the, in the, in the round. I thought was was a better shot than that from Dylan. I thought that round should should have been Dylan's, but uh, me, me and all three and judges disagreed on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I like. I think, I think the fanciness of the. I think if a, if a punch had landed with that impact, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't have um, swung the round against Dylan. I think it was because it was a fancy looking hook kick that people are Fair think enough. it's more than it is. Yeah, in terms of impact, but um, you know that round was close either way, and mm-hmm. I think the second round and the third round, Dylan, you know, had had him frustrated, had him a bit more tired and started mixing in the takedowns and taking the back and you know uh kind of had it easy from there he was fishing for the choke but he wasn't he wasn't risking anything he played a very smart very safe you know a mature performance for dylan duke like that we haven't really seen before you know exactly we had a lot of a lot of like hopes for dylan over the years like you look back at his amateur record the, the performances he's had there like beating paul hughes the way he did you know, some of the, the finishes he's had at amateur and, and pro are brilliant, but the maturity he showed in this fight was was completely different than what we've seen. And, uh, like, if he can keep this up at both well, like, you know, looking at the, the bracket, uh, like, you know, I don't, I, 
is he Dylan doing really well if he can if he can show this maturity and stick to a game plan and you know be a complete mixed martial artist um I always remember during that uh, Adam Venture uh Dylan Duke fight in Liverpool he was trying to knock out Adam Venture and I remember Ashing Daly just screaming over and over again uh, you're an MMA fighter you're an MMA get fighter get the you stool at him at him get the stool was yeah. that that fight <laughs> No, was it, uh, it was, maybe it, it was. Yeah, no, no, I think that was in the UFC, the mm-hmm. the stool Artem for Paddy, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Paddy, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. But the Dylan Chuk was, because uh, Dylan ended up taking Adam Venture down and choking him unconscious, but he was, you know, he he wasn't fighting with that smart, the smarts that, um, that to, you know, best get the best out of his skills. And in this fight, he did that perfectly, you know. 100%. Connor Hughes was a 7-0 and guy, a dangerous guy on the feet. You know, uh, and Dylan just frustrated him in the first round, as we said. Okay, either way, you can score it either way, but it, uh, there's no there's no doubt about the second round and the third round. Dylan completely dominated, and Connor Hughes has had no answers for it. A hundred percent. Like, someone texts me during the week, and they're like, oh, Dylan Tooke's fighting this weekend. Oh, I remember you used to say he was a top prospect, and like, look at him now kind of thing. I'm like, well, you text me again this week. <laughs> like, that was a, a performance of a top prospect. And like I was saying in the Ben show, like, I was like, if Dylan too can produce his best, he can beat any of these prospects. I was like, I don't think he will produce his best. I'm not sure if he can. And uh, do you know what? I've never been so glad to be wrong because he produced a brilliant performance. As I said, I thought he lost the first, but still, he fought well in the first and he just destroyed him in the second and the third. And like as well, Dylan, he's had a lot of problems and he's done some, you know, bad things outside of the cage as well. He was on, on the old triangle this week. I saw Barry Ogles be talking about it as well and he seems very repentant, you know, for things he's done and has turned his life around and you know sometimes it's easy to say things right and you know the two of us Graham I think we're we're not we don't take people at face value a lot of the time because we've heard a lot of people say a lot of things and then what they do is very different but like it does feel like Dylan Duke has turned around and like this this is maybe a personification of it by how well he fought and you know it's easy to write off a young lad or whatever is like oh he's a fucking scumbag or he's never going to do anything but he's like but like it's harder to give someone a chance and let them fucking turn it around and, and, you know, do something good with their life. And hopefully that's it for Dylan Duke. And hopefully this is like the, the kickstart to his career again, because by God, does he have yeah. the ability, you know? Yeah, exactly. He, like he, he definitely has the ability. And I, I actually don't know what his age is, but I think he's like 25, 26. You know, he, he may seem older because we've kind of been following him for so many years, but this is a young guy still. And, um, you know, this is to keep his feet on the ground, not let this this big win go to his head, or you know, just keep doing what he's doing, keep doing what he was doing in the in the preparations for this fight because phenomenal performance, the best of his career by a mile, um, huge win. Hopefully, give him the confidence um, and the the momentum that he needs. You know, the 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 past is kind of. You know, uh, the past and six and six and three, it doesn't matter what your record is because you're in the tournament and the fights are laid out. You know, you don't have to worry about getting matched up or people not wanting to fight you because your record isn't good and you're you're more you're a lot more dangerous than your record is. You're you're in the you're in the system, you're you're going through the brackets and you've got the the hundred grand and the, the European belt in your or the European championship in your in your sights and and if you win that you know, if any of these guys win that like win the tournament impressively i'm sure you know pfl will be looking to move them into the the usa shows and if you're impressive enough you're going to end up in in a million dollar tournament so you know the path is there if he just knuckles down keeps his head on the ground keeps doing what he's doing recently you know he, he's a he's a problem for anybody in this, he, in this bracket he needs to stay at 155 as well 
He a hundred percent needs to stay. He looks so good. Like in the past, he's had maybe bad um, issues with the chin and stuff. He didn't look like that at all at any stage here. One fifty five is his weight class, and I know you know he's talking. I think he was talking about to the lads about going down to one forty five because that's you know the the weight class they have in in PFL, isn't it? If I'm not, not got mad, but no, uh, I would stay at one fifty five. I was him, but what a, what a performance, John Mitchell Graham. Uh, how did how did this one go? I was this is in the middle of the Limerick match, and the zone wouldn't allow me to sign back in, but uh, he got a dominant win, I believe. Yeah, he, he looked he looked good. Like you know, he, he basically his opponent couldn't stop the takedowns, and John played it played it quite safe. But you know, he, he had his moments. He got reversed at one stage. I think um, that was kind of the most trouble he was in. Yeah, he, he a pretty dominant uh, all performance. Uh, easy decision to score, and um, you know, uh, obviously John Mitchell's moving to seven and one here. He's in the he's in the same tournament. You know, it's a it's a it could end up as an all Irish final in Ireland. Which would be which would be very interesting, you know. John Mitchell has some good wins, like Eric Nolan in his in his pro debut. He has wins over two wins over Kenny Muck and Hannah in in his in his last couple of uh, amateur bouts. This guy's a very good fighter, and he's also a problem for for anybody in in uh, the fifty five division in Europe uh, for PFL. So, you know, we, all going well, we could be looking at an all Irish final and an Irish an Irish champion. But obviously, there's a the semi final to overcome first. Yeah, massive. Like John Mitchell, he got that setback and. You know, he got he got submitted, and then he's turned into a grappler since. You know, as well. I saw a couple of lads talking about it over on Twitter last night. Like, you know, the next person he fights will be thinking, "Oh, this guy's a wrestler," and then they'll see what kind of hands he has as well. You know, so good win for yeah. John. What did say? So sometimes the the secret ingredient to uh, success is failure. Indeed, that that's true. And uh, look at the Limerick Carters, Graham. We'd fucking forty five years of it. Now we can't stop winning. To that, you know, it's brilliant. That's that's great. Uh, what am I supposed to say? I'm already into Limerick, but I'm supposed to say like Jay. P. J. What's his name? Oh no, dog! <laughs> I can't remember what I'm supposed to say because I'm J- so, uh, JP I'm so out of the loop. Um, oh, you're the man. Just basically, oh, you're the Man City of hurling. You know that's what people say. So perfect. I'll remember that one first. Yeah, the, the best team. So in other words, and uh, didn't we have friends, Graham? I just want to ask you here, um, friends. Jumping on guillotines constantly over and over trying to fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, how are, how are you? Tell him since he was an amateur. I don't know. He he won't listen to c- coach uh, coach Graham McDonald. Remember, uh, remember that one time he caught, a, he caught a guillotine. That just ruined it, like because he's going to oh, keep that on. That made it like, even worse. He's <laughs> like, remember I got that one. He's like, how many have you gone for, mate? <laughs> but it's been a tough time for France, hasn't it? You know, he's been a few years out now. Yeah. Contractual things. There was talks of tough, and finally he gets into PFL, and you know, scraped through this one that he's. Best performance. I definitely think he deserved the win, though. But yeah, great, great to see friends back in the winning ways. It's, it's a strange situation as well. You know, you're going in there, your opponents missed weight, and they, there's this like rule that if it goes to a decision, it's it's minus a point if you miss weight, and if it's a draw, then you, you don't go through to the next round. So that's a bit of a you know a first for uh, for Franz obviously and going in there after being out for a long time and all that stuff he did look rusty he said that himself straight after in the cage he looked rusty um it was a bit of a, a slower performance a bit more plodding performance from Franz than we're used to and you know he obviously landed some really nice shots in in the second round um he had his uh, he had his opponent um you know on wobbly legs or stunned uh, two or three times uh but he just looked a bit his timing and range didn't look quite what we're what we're used to you know if you look even back at 
any of his recent fights, even the loss to to Ricky Mandeos when he when he got caught, he you know his timing is usually phenomenal, and uh, it just wasn't there. But he still did enough, you know, in the second round to to wobble him a couple of times and to to you know uh, reverse positions when he was taken down and things like that. But yeah, he needs to sprawl more instead of going for these uh, guillotines, as 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 I always talk about with France. But the third round. You know, he nearly he turned your man into spaghetti as your your man was like coming down from landing from throwing a jumping strike, and Franz just nailed him, and he went down like spaghetti. But Franz kind of smuttered his work or hesitated and didn't step back and give himself the space to finish, and ended up getting taken down and kind of you know it would have been a phenomenal knockout. A highlight, it still is a highlight, real uh, knockdown, but it would have been a phenomenal knockout that maybe he would have he would have got if you know he wasn't rusty. But he got the job done. Somehow, uh, one of the judges scored the fight against him. I don't know what the hell was going on yesterday with with judging. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. You saw the second round, but uh, Franz uh, had him had him on wobbly legs a couple of times at least, and was that was clearly landed the way more impactful strikes. And I don't know how one judge scored that against him, but luckily the other two judges scored it for him, and he advances to the next round. Indeed, yeah, and uh, great to see all all three Irish fighters going through to the next round. So brilliant time. For uh, for Irish MMA, obviously we'll have Sean Abandon in a couple of weeks, so maybe we'll talk about that next week. Um, speaking of next week, we're just going to quickly run through these. You know, there's some good fights coming up. The UFC card next week, headline Holly Holm versus Bueno Silva. Um, Ian and Harry will have a full uh, breakdown for that. You can check that out on um, our Patreon and the audio, but on YouTube as well if you want to get the video. Uh, Norman DeMont, Chelsea Chandler on that card as well. £145 clash in the division that's apparently still going. Uh, a bit, a bit, of, a bit of a come down card from uh, from last night's card. <laughs> yeah, and they look, there's some good fighters and I always love watching Tyson Nam and I know you do too. Um, Alex, you know, I don't know what else is on it. Other stuff. Yeah, grand. Um, the KSW card is actually pretty good. Phil DeFries uh, is um, uh, defending his title again for like the, the 57th time, I think. Um, so that should be good. Sebastian Prubska is on the card. Damian Janikowski is on the card as well. So some good Fidipe stuff. Felipe on the card, isn't Fidipe, he? Felipe no? is on the card, yeah. He's fighting yeah, yeah. Christian Kazabowski, who's... Uh, 10 and 3 and, and a good fighter uh, as well um, you know he um, he fought Adrian Bartkowski last time out who's 12 and also they must think a lot of him end up losing that fight but he's fought Saldic before as well you know Felipe has yeah, he's had a good run I suppose in in, um, uh, in KSW he's uh, he's won one and lost one you know before coming back at uh, you know in um, in Cage Legacy and another couple of fights before that but Felipe always fun to watch Graham isn't he and a good lad uh, a good lad to have in Irish MMA yeah another guy with loads of talent you know if he can kind of put it together maybe mature like if he you know if he could kind of maybe stick to a more patient game plan in some of his fights it might benefit him but also you kind of lose that craziness and that kind of uh, unpredictability that maybe has won him uh, a lot of his fights so maybe striking a balance there but you know he has looked very good obviously he lost a decision in his last one but it, he had a very good win before that and you know he's a guy who uh, maybe another one of those guys who kind of fights to the level of the guy he's fighting you know um, he can definitely you know take out guys that you that you maybe wouldn't think he'd be able to and you might lose to a few guys that you should think he could beat. He's a bit inconsistent in that way. But sometimes, you know, guys can it can click for them and they can kinda of get a bit of momentum going. And you know, I'd love to see that with Felipe. Like uh, he's he's had a tough time. He's been you know, he's had a few years out of the game. Um 
after he lost uh, Mbama to Ian Pascu. And since then, he's he's come back and he's come back stronger. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see here. It's a pretty big fight for him, you know. Uh, it's, 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 this one could go either way. Like, I wouldn't, uh, like, this is a very difficult, difficult fight to know how it's going to look. And, you know, I think if, if Felipe is going to win, he's probably going to have to get the finish. And he, but he's shown in the past that he's definitely capable of that. Indeed, yeah, and looking forward to uh, look forward to seeing that. Um, there's a one championship card as well uh, next week. Gary Tony, who I mentioned earlier, he's fighting Shamil Gasanov. That's a really, really good fight. Gasanov, thirteen and zero, and a good grappler as well. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes. Um, Former challenger to the Demetrius Johnson's title, uh, Yuya Wakamatsu, is coming back after a couple of losses. He's fighting Shea Wei. Um, Walter Goncalves is also making his debut. He's a really good Muay Thai fighter. He's fighting Banma. And there's a big heavyweight fight as well. Uh, Amir Ali Akbar uh, could be fighting against the, the champion, um, uh, Maliakin, if he wins <coughs> against uh, Dustin Johnson. So, interesting card there as well on that one. Um... John Jones versus Tipa is happening, Graham. Um, myself and Ian did a breaking news podcast over on Patreon on it. So if you want to listen to, I suppose, our initial analysis on that, you can go there. Like, it's a fight. Uh, you know, Ariel r- uh, reported that Francis Ngannou versus um, uh, Tyson Fury is happening. Um, and Exhibition, is it? Isn't it? I don't know. That, has that been I'm clarified? Not sure. I, don't know. I don't know. I haven't really following it if too it, closely, but... If it's a boxing bout, no problem. Like, let him have it. Let Francis earn all the money. If it's- Even if it was an exhibition, but I heard it was going to be like, uh, I think Eddie Hearn, I might be wrong, it's Eddie Hearn it's said he- it's going to be an exhibition with no knockdowns, which yeah. makes absolutely no... If that happens, I have no interest. Oh, it's a mummer's farce if that happens. But Eddie Hearn is also like... The other side, like, it's his direct opponent who's going to be promoting this. So Eddie Hearn could be saying what Eddie Hearn says. Like, but if it is that, I'll have no interest in watching it. Like, to be honest, and yeah, but anyway. Well, if it's an exhibition, if it's not going on official records, but it's an actual boxing match, yeah, normal grand. boxing yeah, match, no I, I, I'm, I'm interested, yeah, very interested. sure. Uh, we, we all know who's going to win, but interested anyway. Yeah. But the UFC <laughs> released Jones versus Stipe, I suppose, to kind of counteract this. I think they were going to release it anyway, probably during the, the fights. But look, I, I'm excited for it. We all know, look, Stipe's getting on an age. He hasn't fought in a while, but still... You know, the greatest heavyweight, arguably, of all time against the greatest light heavyweight of all time. Nothing to be sniffed at. I think he'll put up more of a challenge than, than Cyril Gagne. And honestly, I'm excited. I, I think Jones will win. But also, how good actually is Jones at heavyweight? We didn't really see much of it against Gagne. What, what, what was your initial thought, Grant? Because mine was definitely excitement. Yeah, mine is excitement. Like, I've been wanting to see John Jones up at heavyweight for, for I don't know how many years, like a, a lot of years. <laughs> and he's up here and, you know, he's fighting the, the, the top guys. And, you know, Stipe is obviously a, a legendary heavyweight. What do they say? The winningest <laughs> uh, or the longest reigning uh, UC heavyweight champion. And, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely really excited. But having said that, I do think this is going to be a very difficult fight for Stipe to win. Um, especially, you know, he hasn't been fighting regularly. A bit of cage rust going in there against John Jones. Even if John Jones is rusty, he has so many tools. He's just so naturally gifted. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult matchup for Stipe, but I'm very excited. Now, these are the fights we want to see. We want to see the best in the world. We want to see people moving up weight. We want to see John Jones, you know, potentially be tested and see how good he actually is and how dominant he actually is and this is going to you know prove that stuff so yeah I'm very excited 
Me too. Right, we will leave it there, everyone. A bumper podcast this week. Lots to talk about. And it was, do you know what? It was pretty good. So we leave it there. Thanks, everyone, for uh, listening. If you haven't signed up to Patreon yet, please do keep help us keep the lights on. The price of a breakfast roll a month. That's all it is. Patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. Uh, please subscribe if you aren't already uh, here and on, you know, wherever you're listening, SoundCloud, Podcast Republic, iTunes, Spotify. You know. Stitcher's going away, actually, so we'd no more Stitcher uh, after the next while. So, yeah, give us the give us the thumbs up, give us the like, give us the share. Let everyone know. Follow at Severe at Severe Pod. Uh, follow Severe over on uh, on uh, Instagram and uh, all that good stuff. Graham, see us out with your quote of the week. The war was over and the spirit was broken. The hills were smoking as the men withdrew. We stood on the cliffs, oh, and watched the ships slowly sinking to their rendezvous. Jeez, that was beautiful. We'll see you next week, lads. Good luck. Hey, pussy, are you still there? That, ladies and gentlemen, is the future. He is the present, and he is the future, and he might be the greatest talent that we've ever seen in the UFC. Oh, we got him! It's all over! John Jones! Jones out! I will beat you at anything. I'm younger, stronger, more athletic, and I'll beat you 10 times out of 10 times. So I put a pictogram on the steroid in my body. It's good that you actually believe that a microscopic pictogram somehow has has has, uh, has allowed me to become more confident. Instead of just saying John Jones's balls is way bigger than mine, and that's why he beat me. Yeah.